spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, happy Tuesday. Welcome to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez, we got a lot to talk about. The Cajuns are off to their best start in program history. We're hosting the Sunbelt Conference Championship game for the first time ever. And we have a massive game on Saturday against the Flames of Liberty. 3 o'clock ESPNU, Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mr. Man About Town, Josh Jagno, is here with me. Jerry is running a tad bit behind schedule. He will be joining us momentarily. Josh, man, Saturday, the, the, the game Saturday, you know, We'll go ahead and give our final thoughts after the the reaction pod that we did over the weekend. Um, it, it was a game that happened exactly as I expected. Close all the way through, the Cajuns pull it out in the end. Um, but, you know, that's that's one of those games where, you know, we, we've said it time and time again this year, good teams just find a way to get it done. 100%. And uh, like I said, the game went the way that we expected, the way that we talked about it before we kicked off. Um, some people thought that it was going to be one of those games where we have to show up and play great to win. I never thought that. I wasn't worried. Yes, it was on the road, but it was against an inferior team. Um, I didn't particularly think that we played a spectacular football game, but we did what we had to do. We made big plays when we needed to. Uh, we controlled the line of scrimmage for the 90, 80%, 90% of the game. Um, Levi played, uh, you know, a B plus game, a minus game, uh, probably one of his best performances of, of the year so far. We, we, we did all the things that we needed to do to win the game. And honestly, we kind of let Troy hang around a little too long for my liking, but at the end of the day, when we needed to put our foot on the pedal and, and put the team away, we did it. So happy with the win. It is a good win, you know, to Jerry's point. It wasn't some one in seventeen, one in eight team. So yeah, you can't say it's a bad win or it's, it's a non-impressive win. A win, a win is always a, a good win. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I love winning, but uh, no, I thought we showed up, took care of business, and came home with a W like we should have. Speaking of Jerry A. Bear, he's here. Hey, what's going on, Jerry? Doing well. Um, happy to get the win. Nine straight wins in a row. School record. Teams nine and one. Solidified or secured. Um, the conference championship at home. Meanwhile, still got two games left. We can go up in the AP and coaches poll. Look, it was one of those games that, like I said the other night in the reaction pod, one by two touchdowns. Um, actually, it's the worst loss that Troy's experienced this year. All of their losses have been very close. But you went on the road at their homecoming, took care of business, got the job done. And every time Troy uh, threw something at the Cajuns, the Cajuns responded and came out with the win. Forced three turnovers when it counted. Uh, offense was able to move the ball well. So, yeah, it came out with a 14-point win, and um, just very excited to get that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I got a comment. I love the pettiness of 
the athletic department posting on social media, happy homecoming from the culture. Oh, good. I didn't see that one. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, the post with the, with the final score, we, we posted it, and, and it said happy homecoming from the culture. And that's just elite pettiness. Uh, that's, <laughs> nice, nice troll job from Doug and the gang over there. That's good. Good Lord. But no, you know, put, putting this game behind us, like we said, 9-1, and one, uh, can never complain with that, no matter how poorly anyone thinks that the Cajuns may have played over the stretch of 10 games in, in certain situations. Uh, you know, again, 9-1, and one, best start in program history. Uh, two games left on the schedule, both respectable opponents, Liberty and ULM before hosting the the Sunbelt Conference Championship game on December 4th. We'll have a Behind Enemy Lines segment here in the next hour, and John Manson of AsiaRed.com will join us. Uh, he, he created a, a blog site that has grown exponentially over the last couple of years covering the Flames. Uh, he, they have grown, obviously, as Liberty has grown into the FBS, so... Uh, Definitely stick around for that. And then in the third segment, we will have a basketball recap of the last week, preview the next week as well. And Jerry brings you what has become kind of a staple of, of Rage and Review, the, uh, the Man I Tell You What segment. Jerry's becoming a folk hero. Yeah, Jerry's, Jerry's probably the most popular one out of the three. Jesus oh, stop. Y'all are, y'all are making me blush right now. Seriously. Jesus Christ. I thought I was the popular. Well, Man About Town was really the popular one. but No, man. Jerry, the, the man, man, I tell you what segment is uh, sweeping the nation. I mean, people it's are going crazy. The entire country. It's like, Phil, uh, it's, Phil it's Steele like, called me the other day. It's like Furbies. <laughs> it's like Furbies. He's taking Be- over. Beetle, Beetlemania, watch out. It's Beetlemania, like, watch it's out. It's like Furbies. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, obviously we we could talk football for for hours, but there's other things we need to talk about. Uh, staying on the topic of football, we'll quickly recap some Cajuns in the pros, and um, obviously the hot topic for Cajuns in the pros has to be Elijah Mitchell getting even more touches as the running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Last night, getting the big win on Monday Night Football over the Red Hot Rams, 31-10. to Mitchell, 27 carries, 91 yards on the ground. Didn't get into the end zone, but, you know, the Rams defense, I mean, Aaron Donald, now they've got Von Miller. I mean, the fact that he was able to get 91 yards on that defense is pretty impressive. You know, we talk about Tracy Walker every time we we, we bring this segment up. He, he's a silent beast. Um, you know, his, his stats are never gaudy, but he's always around the ball. He's always making plays. Robert Hunt, I mean, <laughs> the the touchdown that never was, right? Now, first of all, it was a touchdown. It it, okay. it, it totally was. It totally but was. But listen, that thing, like, complete that. You want to talk about sweeping the nation. That swept you, the nation. I mean, I, I saw uh, the Miami Dolphins facility change their. Yeah, they, uh, they changed. They wrapped an elevator. elevator wrap. Yeah. Oh man, and t-shirts everywhere. I mean, that's I'm just really happy. Dude, I was I was sitting in my car on my lunch break the other day and I was listening to uh the Rich Eisen show is now on uh 1420 
And uh, so I listen to the Rich Eisen show every day on my lunch break. And they were sitting there recapping the game, and they con- they kept talking about Robert Hunt, the, the offensive lineman that nearly scored a touchdown, and blah, 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 blah. And I forgot who, who said it, but one of the guys on his show sat there and said, they need to move that kid to tackle so that he could he can line up as eligible. It was funny because it was the, it was yeah. it was the acrobatic move he made. I mean, right. he really got his his inner circus away on that flip. Um, and what's crazy is, I mean, I'm still upset they didn't give him the touchdown. I mean, it should have been a score I mean, just just by effort, just by effort alone. So what if there's rules? <laughs> so give so what six. if there's structure? He, 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 he earned rules. that six, okay. So 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 what if there's structure and and rules to abide by? The NFL's not a democracy, damn it. Especially on a play like that. <laughs> oh my so, god. I mean, and then, that's like the one exception. And then Kevin right? Dodson doing his thing. Uh Jamarcus Bradley got activated to the to the Browns active roster. Uh Nick Ralston, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's still with the Cowboys. Correct? Has anybody heard otherwise? I haven't seen him be active, but I also haven't seen any waiver wire uh, with him involved. So right. I think he's still on the active roster. If not, he's got to be on the practice squad. Right. Um, news came out today about Elijah Mitchell apparently has a fractured finger that he suffered in the game last night. Uh, had a small procedure on it today. According to Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan, he should be able to practice tomorrow and play this weekend. Uh, so obviously for a finger fracture and having surgery, not that serious considering he's, he's going to be playing this weekend. Um, last thing we want to talk about in segment number one, before we move on to the behind enemy line segment is on Sunday, baseball had a fall ball scrimmage in Baton Rouge against Refineryville, A and M technical school, LSU. Um, and, Josh went. Josh was the only one that got to go. Lucky him. Uh, Josh, you know what? What you see from the team, and and what can uh what can Cajun Nation look for out of Matt Deggs' squad? Well, first of all, the atmosphere was pretty cool because you know this fall ball playing other schools thing is pretty new, and uh, I did miss Northwestern a, a few weeks ago at the Teague, but I made it a point to go to Baton Rouge for this. Uh, I commented to a few people that I spoke to there. It's incredible that the uh, two programs like the Cajuns and the Tigers will draw three to 5,000 people on a fall scrimmage, which is probably double the crowd that most programs across this country will get on a tournament day. So that's something to be proud of, just, you know, an observation that I made. Uh, but outside of that, man, and, and before I get started, there should be no expectations or judgments made off of this because it's practice. Um, but having said that, uh, Ray, the guy that we started, number 52, I believe, he matched Devin Fontenot, LSU's ace, pitch for pitch, gritty, um, has really good stuff, has some arm side run on his fastball, really liked what he brought. He attacks the strike zone. He doesn't nibble. I like that. Um, he looks like a big, strong kid that I think we're going to be able to rely on, whether it's Friday or Saturday. But he looks like a weekend arm. Um he on the mound. He stood stood out to me the most. Dirk still has incredible stuff. He's got to learn to throw strikes. Uh, I made a comment about it against Southern Miss, and I thought that they did him a disservice by how they how they treated him that Friday night. Uh, I, I always thought it was a mistake 
to run him out there like that, let him die, and then pull him and and not put him back in the rotation. I thought that was wrong. You've seen him struggle with his command ever since then. So I think Dirk's got all the tools. He's got to find the command. He's got to find consistency in the strike zone. Uh, Chipper looked dominant. Uh, I think he's going to be a very reliable arm. And out of the bullpen, and if we need him maybe in a spot start or long innings to kind of pick us up when somebody may not have their best stuff on on a Saturday, Sunday. Um, Offensively, uh, well, let me go to defense. I think our outfielders are as good as any outfielders in the country. And I'm not just saying that. They all have range. They all have bazookas for arms. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but I think the I think the pronunciation is Mershock. Mershock played center field in the in game one, uh, number eight. Man, let me tell you something. He made a great catch uh, out in the gap in right center. Stood up and threw an absolute rocket to first base. The ball never slowed down. It felt like the ball can. It, it felt like velocity was increasing as the ball was getting to first base. It was incredible. And just an absolute cannon. Uh, TR worked out in right field, which I thought was interesting. While Heath Hood played the hot corner, but you know TR's got a cannon too. So whoever's going to solidify that left field spot, uh, whether it be Connor, I don't know. I, I really have no idea at this point. Uh, Rockefort was at first base, which was, you know, I had heard that he was working at first, but it was still kind of different to see him there. Uh, I, felt, I felt he played fine. Bobby Lede at second showed some, fras- some flashes of brilliance. It, he also kind of botched a couple of routine plays, but he made some highlight real plays. Uh, so I think that he's going to be our starting second baseman, mostly because he's still got the stick, man. He can hit, and we're going to need his bat. So I look for him to start. Uh, shortstop Kyle DeBarge, freshman Barb High School. Remember the name. The boys call him Debo. So if you hear people screaming Debo, they're talking about Kyle. Uh, new follower to the pod, by the way. Big fan. Uh, I love his attitude. I love the way he plays. Uh, he can swing it. He went two for two against Devin Fontenot. His first two plate appearances were uh, a base hit and a base hit. And one of those was an RBI to score TR after he doubled down a left field line. Uh, I love his approach. I like the way that he plays the game. I think that he has the attitude that we've been missing, that we, you know, we've had a handful of these kind of guys over the last few years, but he seems like one of those that can galvanize the team. You can tell by the way the locker uh, or the uh, dugout uh, responded to him when he'd make a play. He's tough. I like the shit out of him. So he's going to be somebody that I'm looking looking to, to make a big difference. It, this team looks different. Athletically, they look different. Um, they look like they take the game personally. They look intense on the field. looks like the game matters. Um, uh, I know that's all very cliche ways to say that the team is different. Um, like I said, don't take any expectations off of it. But – I see some promising things that uh, are very exciting for the fall, for the uh, for the spring coming up. Yeah, I mean, just just by reading what was what was said on social media, it seems like there there's a lot to be proud of and, and a lot to look forward to with this group. Um, obviously, it, Seth Thibodeau is, is going to bring a lot to the table for this coaching staff. Uh, get, getting rid of Jeremy Talbot was a move that all three of us agreed needed to be made. Uh, and clear, clearly Matt Deggs and Dr. Maggard saw, saw that move as well. Um, bringing in Seth Thibodeau, former head coach at, at Nichols, I think was a, was a strong move, especially to, to, to beef up the defense. You know, if you had to pick one guy that you're most excited to watch, you know, ju- just from, from watching fall ball, who, who would you say? 
Well, like I said, Kyle DeBarge intrigues me, but there's one guy that's a newcomer, JUCO transfer, if I remember correctly, uh, Jack Clark. Jack Clark. He's a little bit of a throwback. He's got a, he's got a leg kick. He hits from the left side. Um, he he looks like an interesting player. I think he's going to be a crowd favorite. Um, I don't know, man. Something about him. He he he's got attitude. There, this there's the big takeaway from Saturday was we've got some guys on this team that hate to lose. Right. And I don't know them personally. I'm just telling you by watching them play the game. They look like they're the type to compete at practice. The type that will, you know, sit in the back of the dugout and compete over who can flip the bottle of water over, uh, you know, more times than the other. Like that kind right. of, let's just turn everything into a competition. I love that. They look like that. They look like that. Now, look, we don't know these guys. They're new. I'm just telling you the impression that I got from them. I love the energy that was coming out of the dugout. Everybody was engaged. They were loud. They were rowdy. Uh, they were into the game, man, and it's just a scrimmage. So now, sometimes in, in, in the fall, especially, you get tired of playing against each other, and, and that kind of stuff can become monotonous. So it's fun to see somebody else in a different color shirt play against you. Um, but, you know, I, from what I heard, when they had the 2014 team in last week, it was a similar type deal where nobody wanted to lose. Nobody wanted to walk away without right. the W. So that's that's encouraging. I think that attitude – is a lot more important than people talk about. You got to have a certain moxie about you to be a really competitive team into the summer. That's just my opinion. And I think this team might have something. I love that. I'm so ready for baseball season. Uh, you know, the, the season last year, especially the way it ended left a, left a bitter taste in my mouth. And I'm sure. just, I'm just ready for, for baseball season for, for the Cajuns to look like a normal Cajuns baseball team again. Yeah, and look, I'll give Dex credit. He made some moves in the offseason that a lot of us didn't think he would make. Uh, he made some some hard personal uh, changes, you know. I mean, that's just a hard, cold fact. So I know I was critical about Dex, but I'll be the first one to tell you. Uh, I applaud him for doing what he needed to do, and I know it was probably very difficult for him. So he made he made some changes. He made some roster moves, and he made some some moves uh, with his okay. staff that, in my in my mind, in my opinion, will pay off. So we'll see. We'll see. And let's not forget last year. I mean, his first full season, I think he finished the year 32 and 22, um, had some ups, had some downs. But in spite of that, your first full season as a head coach, you still won 10 games above 500. You really, it's almost like he had to flip the entire team from where we were before till now. It took him about a year to rebuild it. But I think this year, you know, once you get that first year, I mean, he technically he's had two years, but of course the COVID season cut short. Once you get that first really full season under your belt, you kind of see what you need to do to, to correct your, you know, correct some errors here and there and make some fixes. I, I think this year is going to be a lot different and a lot better. Um, it's kind of like uh, the eye test, right? You, you first see some things and you realize what you need to change and you made those changes. So uh, if everything you said is true about the team, you know, everything's a competition. Um, that's what makes UL baseball teams great is that you have those guys with that grid and everything is a contest, right? We talked about that in 2014 when uh, Austin Robichaux told us the story of the players getting in fights because they wanted to be first in line in these uh, off-season relay races. That shows you the competitiveness exactly. of, uh, of those teams. And if this team has that same type of grit and this same type of attitude, I think we're going to have a lot of fun come February through, uh, through May. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Baseball is going to be fun, uh, obviously, we're playing in the Round Rock Classic this year, uh, February 25th through the 27th. 
Uh, not even going to lie to you. I'm booking a hotel room right now for, for Austin. Yeah. That, if you, if anybody ever made it out to minute made when we were going to those, uh, to the Shriners, that's a great time. Cause dude, dude tick, I look, I'm looking at, I'm looking at tickets for the, for the weekend. You can get a three game pass and sit anywhere in the infield grandstand at the Dell diamond three game pass. You can pick your team's three games. Sixty dollars a person for all three games. I mean, you can't, can't beat, beat that. that. No, that's, that's cheap. Yeah, and there's going to be look you know, the accommodations will be plentiful. Right. It's be a there, good there's time. plenty. I, I was looking. There's like there's like twenty hotels within a five mile radius of the stadium. Yeah, and, and and for those that like to meet other Cajun fans, I'm just telling you, go on the road. It's always the yep. best time to meet others. You, you're, you're kind of you know you're in a smaller group, and it's you against the world, you know, so to speak. And, and people are always willing to talk and meet. And I, I have made friends that I, I keep up with regularly just going on baseball trips, football trips, basketball trips. Yep. So I, I encourage people to go out to Round Rock. I'm very excited. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun year of Cajuns baseball. It's also going to be a very fun year of Cajuns softball. But uh, we can talk more in depth about that as it gets a little closer. We will take a break right here on Raging Review, segment number one out of the way. When we come back behind enemy lines, John Manson of aseaofred.com will join us. And like I said earlier in the third segment, basketball talk. So don't go anywhere. Lots more fun to be had on Rage Interview. We'll be right back. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, Josh Jagno. It's now time to go behind enemy lines. 
this week, the Cajuns face the high-powered offense that is the Liberty Flames. Hugh Freeze and his his offensive genius. Joining us to go behind enemy lines is Mr. John Manson of aseaofred.com. John, welcome in, man. How are you? Doing good. How are you guys doing? You know, I'll tell you, it's it's November, and uh, in South Louisiana, November is when it finally starts to turn a little chilly outside. But with with the heat that we deal with, it takes a couple weeks to get acclimated. So, now what's a little chilly mean for you guys? The fifties. Okay. Sixty-four. Yeah. Sixty-four. Okay. Low sixties, <laughs> upper fifties. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, um, I'm jealous. We we had some lows in the 30s this week and oh, highs in god. the 50s. So oh, good god. <laughs> um, 30s. So what does that mean? Well, no snow. We don't get a ton of snow here. We we will, but not till after New Year's. So so John, let me ask you, Lynchburg. Where is that? You know, for for the geographically challenged, where it's is pretty much right? It's pretty much right in the center of of Virginia. Um, you know, if you know anything about this part of the country, we're about three hours southwest of D.C., okay. uh, about two hours west of Richmond, Virginia, three hours north of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, not far from West Virginia, kind of right right in the center, a little bit uh, southwest of the center of the state of Virginia. So who, who are your pro teams in Lynchburg? Oh, there's no pro teams. Who do you follow? <laughs> Uh, the Washington teams, Washington football team, they're, they're a big follow around here. It, it's split between them and Carolina, you know, Charlotte right, area. Right. The, uh, the Capitals, you got some big hockey fans in Lynchburg? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Liberty's got a hockey team, club oh. hockey team, not NCAA, club. Yeah, we got some hockey fans here. Own uh, ice hockey rink on campus. Heck, yeah. So you, I, I'm a hockey guy, and it, it's actually kind of funny. The Capitals are my favorite team. So oh, okay, yeah. One one day I have to I got to get up to DC and go catch a Caps game. Yeah, no doubt. But should, John should have made it work out this week. I don't know what their schedule is. Swing by Lynchburg and go to the game, and going up to DC. Shit, I wish I was going to Lynchburg this weekend. <laughs> but no, John. You know, uh, let's talk about Liberty. It, it's Liberty's third year as a member of the FBS, uh, and the Flames compiled a thirty-one and fifteen record in that time. Hit hit the top twenty five polls a little bit last year, uh, and and I got to tell you, the entire Cajun fan base was pulling for you guys against Coastal Carolina in the Cure Bowl last year. Oh uh, my gosh! I'm, Thank I'm you sure so much. I'm sure you've educated you. yourself on as to why. Thank you so yeah. much for beating them for us because we. Oh my gosh! It was it was like Christmas all over again. When well, well, I don't know uh, if you, you guys that know, but Liberty and uh, Coastal are big rivals from our days in the Big South before both moved to the FBS. So we do not like Coastal at all. So uh, oh my we, gosh, yeah, we oh enjoyed it. We like we like you already. We like you already. You fit right in. Yeah, so, Coastal's probably Coastal's probably our biggest rival. Wow, learn something new every day. But John, you know the, the the question that I have is is talking about all this all this success. Has it kind of been a surprise among the fan base, or is, is this something that you guys have kind of expected? Um, last year, twenty twenty, you know, winning ten games, being ranked in the top twenty five, and in the year at number seventeen in the AP poll, and 
you know, wins over Virginia Tech and Syracuse. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but Liberty's, you know, got a strong, you know, program. I mean, Liberty's won at least six games going back to the 2006 season. So I think that's, what, 15 years in a row now. So uh, I think fans expect it to continue uh, to, to compete at that level, to, to compete to become bowl eligible each season. Not, I don't know if, you know, you would go back three years if we would have expected to uh, be bowl eligible each of the first three seasons. That might have been a little bit of uh, – uh, you know, above what we were expecting. But uh, with Hugh Freeze, we knew we had a chance to put some good teams together. Uh, we had a senior quarterback and senior wide receiver, Buckshot Calvert and Antonio Ganey-Golden, if you guys remember them from when uh, we played you uh, in 2019 down there. Uh, they were seniors there in Hugh Freeze's first season when we played you guys. And um, uh, we didn't know what we would have after them. You know, AGG ended up getting drafted by Washington football team in the fourth round, and uh, he's trying to stick on there with our practice squad this year. And uh, Buckshot, you know, he rewrote all the Liberty football uh, record books uh, in pa- with passing. Um, you know, so we didn't know what we would get. Um, but, you know, then, of course, Malik Willis, we all know about Malik Willis now, you know, but we didn't, you know, a couple of years ago and he transferred in and, and he was sitting out due to the old transfer rules. We had to sit out a year uh, in 2019 and, and you know, he kind of took over last year and, and took everything by storm. We, we kind of thought he had a chance to do what he did. I don't think any of us would have expected him to, you know, early in the season be among Heisman contenders or, you know, to be a first-round potential NFL draft pick. Uh, but we knew he had the capability to, to lead this offense under Hugh Freeze, which we all know how, how good he is at, as far as an offensive mind goes. So uh, a little bit above expectations last year, but as far as winning six, seven, eight games, uh, I think that was probably what was, what was to be expected once Freeze got this uh, train rolling. So, John, we know a little bit about your program, obviously, because we've been able to play you guys a couple of times since you made the move. Um, obviously, we're pod- we're podcasters, and we do a little blogging. Matt writes for Underdog. Um, so, when I came across your outlet and your content, and I think you do it with another guy, um, it's always intriguing what, what other programs are doing. So, maybe before we get too far into the game coming this weekend, maybe tell us about a sea of red a little bit and kind of go into that and how long you guys have been operating. Yeah, sure. We started that uh, website 2012 is when we got it up and running. We were FCS school at the time and uh, just had hired Turner Gill. It was his first year as head coach when when the site got up and running. And uh, it was just a a fun, you know, hobby blog that we did on the side. And then as time has gone on and the athletics program has grown, uh, gotten to the FBS level, brought in Hugh Freeze and our basketball team has done well also under uh, Richie McKay. Uh, you know, the traffic kept increasing. So we, uh, you know, kept, you know, investing into it, you know, if you will, not necessarily monetarily, but just with our own, you know, time and resources and, and bringing other guys on board. And, um, you know, we, we just built it up from ground up and uh, we've got, I think, seven contributors right now, you know, a couple student interns and a podcast host, Chad Hassan, and uh, he leads that for us and uh, we, we do a weekly podcast during the athletic season and uh, but you can find us all on crred.com and social media facebook twitter instagram and uh, obviously our podcast is on all the major platforms you know spotify and 
Um, you know, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, it's ASOR for a Sea of Red uh, podcast is what it's called. Real fancy, catchy title. But uh, yeah, so so it's been fun last, you know, coming up on 10 years now. Yeah, and I'll say it's really well done. You guys look like a, a well-put-together outfit. So I appreciate you coming on, and I would definitely encourage our fans to go give it a, a look and uh, get educated on the Liberty Flames. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, John, uh, speaking, you talked about Turner Gill. Uh, I think he was in the middle of the transition whenever uh, Liberty went out to FBS. And of course, after Turner Gill leaves, uh, Liberty goes big. They go after Hugh Freeze, who um, had a lot of success both at Arkansas State and Ole Miss as a head coach. And uh, right now, his current record for the Flames, 25-9. and nine. Um, And he's been mostly credited to the early success of Liberty being in the FBS. Right now, we're kind of dealing with the same thing with Billy Napier as far as his name coming up for P5 jobs. Are you guys feeling that pressure as well with Hugh Freeze's name coming up at every single P5 job that comes available? Oh, you're exactly right. I think, you know, both fan bases here, it's really interesting. Uh, we're, we're in very similar boats and can relate. Uh, I think every time I, I, a job opens, like we had the Virginia Tech job come open today, which, you know, that's right in our backyard. You know, Blacksburg is two, two and a half hours from Lynchburg. And, uh, you know, we beat them last year and a big win for the program down in Blacksburg. And, uh, you know, that job comes open. Of course, you know, everybody starts talking and their fans are talking about Hugh Freeze and uh, start reading some of these stories from national writers. And, and whose names do you see? Billy Napier and Hugh Freeze, just about every one. So I think we're both kind of dealing with it. But, uh, you know, hey, that, that's the price you have to pay to be one of the top G5 programs in the country, right? I mean, no, nobody, you know, grows up or very few people, I should say, if any, grow up saying, hey, I want to be the coach of Louisiana. Or I want to be the coach of Liberty as my ultimate dream job. You know, I, I don't, same thing with, with athletes and recruits, you know, that you don't have a lot of people that grow up dreaming to play for a school like Liberty or, or Louisiana, you know, no offense intended, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, so that's kind of what you deal with. You know, Hugh Freeze is a name that's been mentioned. And, and every time, you know, really an SEC job comes open, every time one of those comes open, we're all thinking, you know, sitting here on pins and needles. And, and last year we, we dodged a few bullets. I think Tennessee was a job that we, we uh, sweated out a lot. That was one, you know, he's originally from Tennessee, and uh, that was one we sweated out a lot. And then also the Auburn job. Uh, when Gene Chizik got fired down there. So, so yeah, we've, we've been sweating some of these out. I, I think the Virginia Tech one is one that it would kind of hurt. I mean, that'd be like Napier, you know, I don't know, maybe going to LSU or, or somewhere like that. It's like, you know, you, your big brother down the street that, you know, is always looking down at you. It, it would kind of hurt more so than if you went to, to an Auburn or an LSU or something like that for us. But, yeah, I mean, we, we're right in the same boat with you guys. I think we can sympathize with you. Uh, as far as people wanting to to uh, come in and grab our coach, but hey, that's that's part of uh, the price you pay, as I said, to be a a solid uh, G five program. Napier, not a solid, not even a solid G five program, but one. You know, I think the two of us have two of the best programs uh, at the G five level in the country. Napier going to Baton Rouge would quite literally devastate me. Well, yeah. I don't know if it would devastate me. I think it, I think it's kind of a little bit of flattery, honestly. You know, if they think highly enough of the coach that has built a program here to be, like you said, a top G five. Uh, it obviously, it, to me, it, it. I mean, that's a compliment. But to stay on that topic, you know, I'm not too familiar with the contract details for Hugh Freeze, but I can't imagine he's making peanuts at Liberty. Um, how safe do you guys think he is staying? Do you think that you have a, a 
better than average chance of keeping him. Uh, maybe what's the feeling going on in the in the program right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, most people think that, uh, um, you know, and if you listen to anything Coach Freeze has said in his press conference, he's asked about it frequently. He was asked about it a week ago. Um, you know, when he, he was mentioned amongst uh, Texas Tech candidates, and, and he shot that down real quick. But, I mean, he's always said that, you know, he's happy at Liberty. Uh, his family's happy, and they enjoy their, their lifestyle in Lynchburg. And, you know, he's been in that SEC lifestyle before, and, you know, so he knows what it has to offer. But he's also never said that he's, you know, at Liberty for the rest of his life. So I think we all kind of assume at one point in time he will leave. He's kind of, you know, the phrase he's or terminology he's used is, um, I'm, I'm happy at Liberty unless there's a job that comes a across that, you know, makes my heart flutter is what the way he phrased it. Um, you know, so I think a lot of us, you know, Liberty fans kind of look at that as, you know, a, a job where he thinks he can win a national championship. So if an LSU came calling, yeah, I would expect him to take it. You know, Auburn is another one. Uh, Virginia Tech, I mean, do you think you win a national championship there? I'm not sure. I don't know if that's at that level. I think I think the answer is yes, because I think that Clemson's on on downswing, and I think they'll be there for a year or two. And, you know, it'll probably take them a year or two to build the program. But, yeah, I think you can win a national championship in a place like Blacksburg through the the, the conference affiliation of the AAC, of the ACC. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You, you know, you could. Um, I'm not a Virginia Tech fan, so it's hard for me to, to say that. But uh, <laughs> Understand. Totally understand. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, you know, Liberty fans feel comfortable that, that Freeze is at Liberty and, and that he's not looking to jump at his first ship. I mean, he, he's – wrapping up his third year here this year. So, um, you know, five years from now, do you think he'll still be here? I'd lean towards no, but uh, right now, you know, we're enjoying his, his uh, him being here, his level of success he's brought to the program. And uh, the more recruiting classes we can stack with Freeze as the head coach, the better it is for Liberty in the long term. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, you talked about Hugh Freeze not jumping at, at the first opportunity. Considering – that Billy Napier has already turned down three SEC gigs. I, I am very concerned that the next one is going to be the one that he jumps at. Um, I, I've talked to numerous people, and I kind of take the same stance. I don't think Billy Napier survives this coaching carousel as the head coach of Louisiana. I just I have a feeling that there's a job not open yet that will be open this offseason that he just can't say no to. Um, so as a, as a diehard Cajuns fan, very concerned about that, but John, let's focus on Liberty here. Talk about the offense. Uh, no, no question. Like you were talking about earlier, Malik Wilson is, is is operating that dynamic offense. I mean, 3,200 total yards, 31 touchdowns, only nine interceptions on the year. Just seems to be dominant in, in every aspect of, of the offense. But it seems like, especially in the last couple of games, Hugh Freeze wants to spread it out a little bit. He's getting running backs more involved. He's having Malik throw the ball to, to different receivers more often. You know, kind of walk us through what we can expect from the offense th- this weekend in Lynchburg. Yeah, we actually recorded for our podcast earlier today, and uh, I had the same question, but for Levi Lewis on the other side. And, and I, I, you know, I've watched a lot of Louisiana. I mean, I've watched you guys play. We've been looking forward to this game pretty much all season. Uh, we knew you guys had a good team and had a lot of guys coming back from your 10 or 11 win season last year. So, so we were looking forward to it. Um, and, and the way I answered it was, 
you know, I think Malik Willis, the way I said, described Levi Lewis, as I said, he, he's very similar to Malik. Um, you know, Malik is obviously getting praised to possibly be a first-round NFL draft pick, but they both are very dynamic athletes, especially at this level. They can impact the game with their arm. I mean, I was watching that Troy game Saturday. I saw Levi, you know, drop that ball in, a deep pass there in the first half for the touchdown, hit the guy right on the numbers. Um, Malik can do the same type thing, but but we also know they can make plays with their feet. You know, that, that's where they're really the most dynamic, you know, escaping the pocket and getting out there and picking up first downs and moving the chains, keeping drives alive with their feet when the pressure breaks down. So that, that's the, the, you know, thing about Malik. So Raging Cajun fans are, are, you know, will be similar or familiar with the way Malik looks because he's very similar to your quarterback. Um, really, to be honest with you, our, our biggest weakness, biggest chink in the armor this year has been our offensive line. I mean, we cannot block anybody to save our lives, which is crazy because we returned all five starters from a team last year. Uh, Ole Miss, and I know it's Ole Miss, an SEC team, but when we played last time out, you know, a couple weeks ago before the bye week, uh, they got to Malik 10 times and brought him down, not to mention a few other times where he had to force um, some passes before he wanted to and ended up having three interceptions on the day. So that's been our biggest concern. It concerns us this week, concerns me this week going up against Louisiana. I know you guys got a good uh, defensive front and defensive line there. So that's the big, been the biggest chink in the armor. But uh, Demario Douglas is a slot receiver. He's another guy that should be highlighted. He, he's actually he's a third-year redshirt freshman, you know, with the COVID year. So, But uh, he's put up a lot of numbers and the leading receiver this year. So he, he's a guy to be counted on. We got three, a three-headed monster, if you will, although a monster is probably being too kind to him. <laughs> They've uh, been a little disappointing this year, but at running back, three guys, Joshua Mack. Uh, Shadra Lewis is a little bit of a, a shifty guy, small uh, more of a slot receiver type build, but uh, he can break free. And, and if he gets out in space, he can take one to the house any day. And then uh, TJ Green, who's a Utah transfer, those are the three that kind of rotate pretty much freely at running back. But, uh, you know, Malik is the quarterback, and he's, he's the uh, captain of the ship, and, and we go how he goes. You know, it's interesting you bring that up about the offensive line. I did some research on Liberty <clears throat> earlier today. Excuse me. And I saw that the Flames are averaging 445 yards a game. And that, that you know, whether it's a good game, whether you're hanging 62 on UMass or putting 14 on Averaging Miss, 450. Yeah, that's very good impressive. Good God. So, so my question is, uh, John, and, and I had a, you know, that's kind of a follow-up, is how on earth can the offensive line struggle and yet still get 445 yards a game? Well, is, it, is it Malik? Is it... Is it because I've noticed he talked about the, the three running backs, and I've noticed that they seem to spread the wealth a little bit with those running backs. But I, I'm trying to figure this out here, right? How can, how can you get that much yardage per game and struggle with the offensive line? Is it? I mean, what what is it? No, that, that's a great question and good point. And but you know, if you compare Liberty's numbers this year to last year, and they've got the exact same offense, the return ten starters. Uh, including all five offensive linemen and, and Malik at quarterback. Uh, last year, we averaged over 480 yards of offense. Uh, the, the, ru- the rushing offense, run, you know, we were top 10 in the country. Uh, you know, we had Joshua Mack was averaging close to 100 yards a, a game, uh, and Malik led the team with almost 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, I think we had – I don't remember the numbers, but I think we're number 10 in the country last year in rushing. Those numbers are down significantly this year. But, yeah, it's been Malik. I mean, Malik is able to, you know, make crazy plays. You just go out there and look on YouTube at, 
you know, highlights of Malik Willis from this year, and you'll see some of the plays I'm talking about. But, I mean, you know, every, there's lots of times where he, you know, gets the ball, takes, you know, a three-step drop, and he's immediately got a guy or two, you know, rushing him, and he has to, you know, make a guy miss, get outside of the pocket. And, you know, he can – and he, he's not always looking to, to pass when he does that. He can escape the pocket, keeps his eyes up downfield, and can find a guy – you know, downfield and uh, connect with them, but, um, you know, and also move the ball with his legs. So, so Malik's really been the guy that, that even despite the struggles on the offensive line, um, you know, he's still been able to keep this, this offense churning. Man, that's unbelievable. I've seen a few highlights of him and yeah, he makes that offense roll. I mean, it rolls with him. Um, you know, I know the game against uh, ULM, which we're still kind of shocked that you lost that game. We don't know how, but, uh, I think, look, Malik was Monroe, man. It's Monroe. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, and we're joking about it because we play ULM the following week, but it's one of those things where if you beat us, we're not going to hear the end of it from the Monroe fans. So, you know, it's almost like it's a must win for the Cajuns just by bragging rights, right? Yeah, that's funny. I, I don't know that, you know, that game, it was a third quarter. I don't know what happened. We were leading, like, 14 to nothing or something halftime then all of a sudden the third quarter we couldn't do anything they scored 28 straight points and and yeah, took the lead 28 to 14 going into the fourth quarter and we woke up and came back and nearly tied the game or we actually did tie the game but then they hit that field on the last second of the game i don't know what happened there i think we just assumed you know 30 some point favorites we were just going to show up and, and win and that obviously didn't happen and, and you know terry bowden he's obviously a, a good coach and uh, you know, say what you want to about him. You know, he's got a good game plan and can figure things out and, and can take advantage of teams that, that take them lightly. But we don't like talking about that game right now. <laughs> well, look, we, Monroe is one of those teams that kind of sneaks up on you. We know well enough. We, we've dealt with it before. So uh, don't don't worry. But it's still one of those things where, like, how how did that happen? You know, I had to ask. I, I'm not, not trying here. to rub salt no. in the wound, but. Like, because I've seen I've seen your other games, and you're they're they're a very good team. I'm just like, but how how? But anyway, we, we, we've been asking the same question since it happened. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, let's let's move to something more positive. Let's talk about defense. Uh, you've got a transfer from Prairie View A and M, senior linebacker Story Jackson, outstanding linebacker, leads the team with tackles, forty four tackles, nine point five, uh, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, and then of course you've got junior safety. Javon Scruggs, 34 solo tackles, one interception. You know, right now the, the Flames are giving up right at around 16, uh, 316 uh, total yards per game. Um, it sounds like the, very, uh, the, the Liberty defense is, is pretty diverse in talent. Uh, sounds like you got some speed. You got some physicality on the, on the, on the, in the linebacking core. What, what is the, the engine behind that Liberty defense that makes them churn? And what, what, could, what could Cajun fans look out for when the Cajuns are on offense? Yeah, it's really the Liberty defensive line. You know, there's a lot of guys there, a couple of defensive ends that can get after the quarterback. And, uh, of course, that's different when you're talking about Louisiana and you guys' offensive rushing attack and Levi Lewis. But uh, Treshawn Clark's a defensive end that's really talented and and will get some NFL looks here in another year or two. And uh, he can get in the backfield. And uh, Darrell Johnson's another guy. Uh, he's a senior, but he's got a COVID year, so he'll probably come back one more year. He was getting some NFL draft looks over the, the summer. Uh, he's another defensive end on the other end. He, he's been injured. He's coming back from a um, torn meniscus, uh, but he played against Ole Miss and hopefully be closer to 100% this week. 
Uh, I got a couple other young guys there, Keel Washington and Stephen Sings. I can make plays on the defense end, and we're very uh, experienced and talented on the interior of the line with Elijah James and uh, Ralph Rusens. Uh, that's kind of the you know, our defense aligns the strength of the defense. You mentioned Story Jackson. Yeah, he gets all the tackles and, and uh, loads up on some tackles for loss. But a lot of times that defense line that's you know hogging up the uh, the offensive line and, and get into the backfield and open up those lanes for a guy like Jackson to get in there. But he's been a huge addition to the team this year at linebacker. That's kind of been our weakness the last couple of seasons under Freeze and defensive coordinator Scott Simons. But uh, you know Jackson's been a, a great guy we could plug in and play this year uh, coming up from the FCS ranks. Uh, and, and you mentioned Scruggs, Javon Scruggs. He's our, our leader and uh, team captain uh, in the secondary, and he's, he's a big-time playmaker for us. And uh, we got a UTEP transfer, Duran Lowe at corner, uh, who's a senior, and he's kind of been our, you know, if you want to call it a shutdown corner. He, he's been that guy for us. Uh, so the defense is really – it's a bend-but-don't-break defense. Um, you know, if you look back at the Ole Miss game, Ole Miss kept getting down inside the 30-yard line into the red zone. Uh, but but they had to keep, you know, settling for field goals or, or turning over on downs because, you know, Lane Kiffin likes to go for a fourth down all the time. But, um, you know, so that, that's kind of been the strength of the team is, is, you know, they might give up some yards between the 30s, between the 20s, but they typically can stand strong in the red zone. And um, that'll be a big challenge and, and test for this team because obviously we know Louisiana can move the ball and, and we expect them to, to be down inside the 30 and the 20-yard line. Uh, several times on Saturday with, uh, you know, Levi Lewis and the rest of that offense you guys got. John, since joining FBS, you guys have one of the best home records in the country. Um, what, why is that? What makes you so good at home? What is the environment like for a home game in Lynchburg? And and just give me any kind of, uh, some kind of like inside baseball on what to look out for when my team travels to Virginia. Uh, because I, I can't recall ever watching a Liberty game on TV uh, but obviously there's some sort of an advantage there. So we're curious about that. Yeah, we've won, I think, 15 or 16 straight at home. You know, having lost, the last home loss was a Syracuse game in 2019, which was the week before we played uh, Louisiana, uh, the first two games of Coach Freeze's uh, tenure here. And it's also the only other FBS top 25 team to come to Lynchburg. So this is the second one. So uh, a lot of flashbacks those first two weeks of 2019 this week. Um you know, but I'm a little disappointed that you guys won't get the full effect because our, our students are leaving for Thanksgiving break this next week, and uh, our average attendance is around 19 or 20,000, and uh, we got a 25,000 uh, seat stadium recently expanded. You know, two or three years ago when we moved up to FBS, and um, uh, our students probably make up you know at least half of that that attendance. You know, they normally get you know, seven to 10,000 in there. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of coaches talk about how intimidating or, or how good the Liberty student section is. You know, they pack in that, that side all behind the visitor's bench, you know, right behind them the first, you know, 10, 20 rows behind the visitor's bench and, you know, heckling the, the players and, and things like that. So that, that's really been the strength of our, our home crowd and our home, uh, home field advantage. But, I don't know if we're going to have that this this week. I'm sure you might have a few students that stay behind and and stay, but um, I, I think we're going to miss out on some of that crowd. But uh, the other part of it is, you know, being an independent, you know, we haven't got a lot of really good games, to be honest with you, at home. I mean, I mean you know, I was actually working on an article this week that I'll publish uh, later in the week talking about Louisiana probably being the best team to ever come to Lynchburg. And then we got Army next week, which is another one. Uh, they're, they're another good team that, that's coming in here next week. And, um, 
you know, we, we played uh, that Syracuse team back then. They ended up five and seven that season. So, so not a great year. Uh, Buffalo, we did play them the week after playing Louisiana and beat them in 2019. They ended up w- winning the MAC that year and I think had 10 wins. Uh, we also played uh, in 2018, we played Troy and uh, out of the Sun Belt. You know, they, they had a good season that year. I think they were, might have been Sun Belt champs. I don't remember. They won nine or 10 games that year. And uh, we also played North Texas that same season, 2018. So, those, you know, to be honest with you, those are probably the top four or five teams that Liberty's played ever, uh, including Louisiana this weekend. So uh, it, it'll definitely put that home win streak uh, to test. But but we've had a lot of games against, you You know, not to take away from Liberty's, you know, impressive home win streak because it's anytime you win a game is good. Look what happened in the Louisiana Monroe game, right? But uh, we, we've played games against FCS opponents and, and UMass, New Mexico State, other FBS independents, you know, Louisiana Monroe, we played them last year. So, so teams like that. So I think that has, you know, it's some of both, you know, yeah, we got a good student section, uh, but also our, our schedule hasn't been the strongest. Man, I, I got to tell you, I remember when you guys got the new facilities that you have now, it is unreal. That stadium is, is state of the art next level. Um, the the football the it, it's close to our athletic performance center I, I don't know what you guys call it but uh like where, where your locker room is in your film room it, it next level uh absolutely unreal john you know we, we, we've talked about it numerous times the, the flames on the cajuns faced off in 2019 in cajun field uh with the cajuns winning 35 to 14 you brought up antonio gandy golden who who went on to get drafted into the nfl uh, Stephen Calvert was was the quarterback for the Flames back then. You know, both programs have achieved a lot of success since then. Oh, wait, I forgot. We had to roll a hospital bed into our press box for Hugh Freeze. Still wild. The craziest thing I've ever witnessed in sports because I was actually in the press box that day for the, the podcast and uh, absolutely wild seeing the way that they had to configure that room to, to make him fit. That was, it was crazy, but you know, what can you tell us about the anticipation? Uh, what, what's the fan base? Like, I know, I know you said that a lot of your attendance comes from students and that's obviously going to take a hit because of Thanksgiving, but, uh, talk about the atmosphere at William stadium this weekend and have the fans slowly started to get acclimated with, with the Cajuns. Oh yeah, we. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. We've been looking for our schedule is kind of set up weird this year. We had you know three road games in our first five, which were you know semi tough games or, or tough games with uh, you know Troy, uh, UAB, and Syracuse. Three of our first five games. And then we kind of had this lull in the middle of the season where we were playing uh, teams that we thought we were going to roll all over, including ULM, North Texas, uh, you know UMass, and and. and uh, who else did we play? I, I can't remember. But teams that we were big big favorites over. And, um, you know, and then we were all looking forward to these last three games. Started with Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the storylines there with, you know, Hugh Freeze returning to Oxford and uh, Matt Corral and Malik Willis quarterback matchup. And, and then Louisiana and Army to close out the regular season at home. Uh, so we've been looking forward to this these last three games all season and, and now these last two home games. And and I'm really hoping that some of the students do stick around and, and, and we get a, a small taste of, 
of what a Williams Stadium game day is normally like on Saturdays. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of hype around around the team, around the game this week. Um, you know, you, you'll see the season ticket holders will be out there. And uh, it has turned a little cold. So I, I know some that, you know, fair weather fans, if you want to call them that, might not make it out, you know, with, with the highs probably being in the 50s on Saturday. But, um, you know, we're definitely looking forward to the game. You mentioned the the uh, facilities. We've Yeah, you're right. We recently – it's a football operations center, which is behind one end zone, which we recently uh, expanded and upgraded. Uh, I think it was, it was during the COVID year, so it's been, you know, less than two years now. Uh, then we also have an indoor practice facility that's just adjacent to that, and that's actually where the visiting locker room's at. Uh, and, you know, it's obviously short walking distance from there over to the stadium. Uh, and then we also um, – you'll see on one side of the field behind one end zone opposite of the uh, the FOC that we call it is a, a berm with the big Liberty logo uh, in the mid middle of that berm there behind the, the one end zone. And then student sections are behind the visitor, visitor's bench and uh, mainly season tickets on the other side. So, um, you know, hope, hopefully we'll have a decent crowd out there, you know, ten to 15,000 I would hope. And uh, – uh, look forward to the game, and we're definitely looking forward to playing Louisiana. Like I said, we it's a game we've had circled on our calendar all season. As you know, not not being in a conference, you have to look forward to, to some of these non-conference games, which every game is non-conference for us, obviously. But you know, looking for some of these top teams that we get to play, like Louisiana, especially home games. So uh, I know Liberty fans uh, are definitely excited for this game this weekend. Um, John, a quick question before you go. Um, you know, obviously lately we've seen a lot of the musical chairs of Copper Tree alignment. Um, and of course, Liberty is caught right in the middle of it. I know, you know, believe it or not, Liberty's strength was also their weakness. A lot of conferences were a little nervous about Liberty because of the money that you have and the competition that, or the, I guess you could say the competitive advantage that would give Liberty and an automatic standpoint for, for money. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious, uh, what, what has been the reaction among the fan base uh, as of 2023? You will not, you will be a member of Conference USA along with um, New Mexico State, Jacksonville State, and Sam Houston State. And then with the news of Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky staying put, you'll have a pretty decent conference. Uh, what, what's been the reaction of the Liberty fans and being Conference USA? What is your reaction? Um, and also, how is Liberty going to fix the scheduling? Because I saw some future schedules you pretty much had full schedules for like the next five or six years. So what kind of musical chairs can the administration uh, be dealing with, with the scheduling, but overall just your reaction to joining conference USA and being part of a conference. We can talk about that for the next 30 minutes. If you want to, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, let, let's see. I'll try to try to whittle it down to two or three minutes. Um, uh, the fan base has kind of been react uh, split in a reaction to it. You know, some of us, uh, you know, wanted to stay independent. We're in the A-Sun for all other sports and, and been very successful there and men's basketball and other sports. And, uh, you know, some of us wanted to stay as an independent and continue to grow. And part of that has to do with our, our university's, you know, founding and original mission. And that's, you know, to kind of be, you know, obviously a, a evangelical Christian university. And uh, we've always aspired, you know, it goes back to the late uh, Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. who has passed. Uh, his mission when he started the school was to be uh, similar to what Notre Dame is for Catholics and what uh, BYU is for Mormons. So we kind of always kind of model ourselves after them from an athletic department standpoint. And, you know, both of those schools have been independent, you know, for a long time. Obviously Notre Dame still is BYU just joined the big 12 or will be here in a couple of years. 
Um, so, so some of our fan base was kind of like, no, we need to stay independent to continue to, to see that rise. But, uh, you know, obviously on the other side is, is you know, there's a group of us that, that thinks uh, Conference USA is where we need to be. And, and I kind of fall into that category. I, I think that, you know, for Liberty, you know, Liberty has aspirations, as, as we all do, to, to get to the P5 level one day. And, and, you know, you've seen teams like a BYU or, or um, you know, who are some of the other ones that just joined um, – the Big 12, like a Houston or UCF, like UCF's another good example uh, where they, they've risen a lot the last you know couple decades or so. Uh, so Liberty's kind of wanting to fashion themselves after them to, to hopefully get to that P5 level one day with the resources and facilities that we have. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the model that we need to take is to join an FBS conference, you know, where we can start the conference USA and, you know, maybe the next round of realignment, the AAC, when they come calling, maybe they come calling to, to Liberty and Liberty's at a position to, to take that jump up. So uh, also from a men's basketball standpoint, it's going to be a really good conference. You had teams like UTEP and Louisiana tech and New Mexico state. Those, those are some solid basketball programs. Liberty's got a top 100 basketball team themselves, middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. They're, Another strong basketball John, program. I, I hate to interrupt you, but Louisiana Tech and good teams in the same sentence just it can't happen. That's well, not a thing. Got- you guys have to say that because you're from Louisiana, but hey, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to trying to sell Liberty fans on uh, on CUSA. But uh, I hear you. But yeah, to, to answer your question about the schedules, like you know, you're right. Liberty's got their schedules, you know, pretty much full through 2026. Well, obviously, you know, eight of those games each year are going to have to go away. So uh, you look at the schedule for 2022. Like we're you know we're ecstatic about that schedule. We get Virginia Tech at home. Uh, we get BYU at home. We also play, uh, you know, UAB at home. It's another good game. And got Wake Forest, another, you know, regional P5 here for us, just a couple hours away uh, on that schedule as well. And, and Old Dominion, another, uh, you know, G5 FPS team here in the state. Uh, you know, so we're really, you know, looking forward to that schedule. But moving forward, you got to you gotta figure out what you're going to do because you got home games. You know, we did a lot of two-for-ones with ACC teams, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest. Uh, they're all, you know, planned to come here, but you can't play them all now, you know. So uh, one thing I've heard is our athletic director, Ian McCall, is working with the new FBS members in Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State. Obviously, they got no no games right now other than their conference games. Uh, so we can, you know, work with them to move some of our games to them, maybe some of the games against, uh, you know, lower-level Sunbelt teams or MAC teams that we might not want to play, but give them to them, let them play those games. and and try to keep, you know, one or two of these P5 teams each year and, and probably an FCS game as well. So uh, it's going to be a lot of work for that athletic department to, to put together over the next, you know, few months and things. But but you'll start seeing a lot of games shuffling around uh, once, you know, we get solidified. And we think it's going to be an eight-game Conference USA schedule. We, we're not 100% on that. There's still some talk of them maybe adding, you know, a UConn or UMass or somebody like that as a football-only member. So, so we'll see. But Hey, if the Sun Belt ever comes calling, we're happy to uh, to join with uh, the likes that what you guys got in that East uh, Division now with Coastal App State, JMU, which is just up the road from here, and ODU, uh, Marshall. We, we'd be happy to join. So put in a good word for us. Hey, I, I wanted you guys this time around. Yeah, um, you know we're very surprised because um, I know I know joining FBS recently, like you said, you had something good with the A Sun, right? I mean, the A Sun's very respectable conference, even at the FCS level, I'm sure. Um, you know, to the point where 
it's one of those things for us with the Sun Belt. We finally came out on a good end because for the longest time, it was always perceived that we were like the bottom of the barrel and we were always for the FCS call up stepping stone to better conferences. And now we're sort of that model conference. Uh, but I think Liberty, in my opinion, you guys have established yourselves so well uh, athletically that I think you can, you pretty much have a chance. And I'm not saying this because you're on here. I'm not saying this because we're playing Liberty. I really do think Liberty can carry that torch of Conference USA. I mean, you've got football, basketball, your baseball team yep. is good. Your softball team, they all went to, re- they, I think, what, baseball went to regional, softball went to regional, basketball went to the dance, football went to a bowl game. You can run that conference, yep. man. You can run it. You got you got everything that's there already to run it. All the we ask is that you destroy Louisiana Tech. Every, every and everything you play them in, yeah, everything you play them in. Not not gonna lie to you, John. You know, earlier you were talking about big brother, little brother. You know, we hate LSU, right? For for obvious reasons. I think the three of us can agree that we hate La Tech even more. Probably so. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, yeah. it's close. <laughs> I I hate La Tech more than I hate LSU. Wow. Please, please rip their brains out in everything you play them in. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> John Manson of a sea of red.com has been our guest. John, we appreciate you taking the time, man. We look forward to one hell of a dog fight in Lynchburg on Saturday. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just excited for Saturday, man. Yeah, same here. Appreciate you guys having me on. Looking forward to it. No question right, John, about thanks, it. Man. We'll take a thanks, break here John. on Rage and Review, and when we come back, we will give you our own thoughts on this game Saturday against Liberty, 3 o'clock ESPNU from Williams Stadium in Lynchburg. And we will also talk some Cajuns basketball. Don't go anywhere. Rage and Review. Be right back after this. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back. Rage interview. Matt Miguez, Jerry, and Josh join me. You just heard from John Manson of a sea of red.com giving you the 4-1-1 on the Flames before that big game on Saturday. Once again, 3 o'clock. 
ESPNU from Williams Stadium in Lynchburg. Gentlemen, before we move on from this game in our preview here, give give me your your final thoughts and a uh, and a score prediction if you have one. Yeah, um, well, it's it's really my, my biggest thing for for this game is is contain Malik Willis. I mean that that's pretty much the one thing you have to do. Um, I think if you do that, the Cajuns' chances of winning go way up. Uh, you know, like John said, you know, Malik gives a lot of second chances. He's a, you know, if, if it's true that their offensive line isn't that good, I think that actually works to our favor to where we can put enough pressure on them and um, maybe get a few sacks in and, and, and halt any momentum. But if you let him extend drives, uh, it could be a long day. You don't want to keep that defense on the field too long. Uh, and, and our offense has to respond. You know, we, we have to have a game like we did last week. Uh, have to have some good sustainable drives, running the ball. The Levi has to be on with his arm again like he was last week. If we do that, you play like you did last week, you can win. We should be able to win this game. But it all hinges on Malik Willis. You know, if the Cajun defense can stop him and contain him, the more they contain him, the better chance they have of winning this thing. So, um, you know, going on the road to a place that has 15 straight wins, you know, they're 7-3. and three. They were top tw- They're right outside the top 25, very well-respected program. Had a bi- Coming off a bye week. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be one of the toughest games we've played all year. But I think this team is on stride, uh, is hitting a stride right now. Nine straight wins. Um, you know, there's a reason why we're ranked in the top 25. So uh, I really do like the Cajuns here. I think they they pull it off late. I'll say they'll win by a touchdown, maybe something like 27-20, 27-21. I'm giving the Cajuns uh, the win and their 10th straight win and 10-1 and on the year. You know, John made a comment about their students uh, being gone for break. I think that helps us. Anytime you go into a, a charged environment, you have a disadvantage immediately. The fact that they're going to be without some of their um, their atmosphere is good for us. At the, at the same time, it's still a road game, so we have to be prepared. Uh, but one thing I'll say is that the Cajuns have proven, with the exception of maybe the Texas game, they get up for opponents. They play their best games when they need them. I mean, I think that that's fair to say. I, I have a ton of confidence in Patrick Tony. I know that they're going to be prepared to do everything they can to stop Willis. Malik Willis is the team, period, plain and simple. If you watched any of the ULM game, you know their defense is susceptible. They can be beaten. You can beat them at the line of scrimmage especially. I love the way that we've been playing on the lines of scrimmage, uh, defensively and offensively, especially lately, uh, you know, outside of maybe two quarters in that Georgia State game. I like us at the line of scrimmage. I think we have a pretty substantial advantage there. Um, I, I told Jerry this uh, on the phone this morning. I, I think that one of the great things that Levi brings to the table is he's, he's always going to keep his head. He's going to be steady. So if he can go out, go out there and play a steady game, make good decisions, let the uh, let let your your advantage areas just totally control the game, which is a line of scrimmage. Like I said, I think our defense will end up eating after a while, maybe force some turnovers. You know, I think it's key that we control the clock in this game. I think that the longer that we have the ball, the the fewer chances that Malik Willis, uh, Willis has to beat you, uh, your 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 chances of a W just go through the roof um, as long as he's on the sideline. So. I like the Cajuns, obviously. I think it's insane that we're underdogs in this game. Uh, the last time I checked, it was at five, by the way. Went the opposite direction that we thought it would. So uh, you get the Cajuns in five points. 
Um, I'm not saying I don't think Liberty's not a good team. I think that they are a fine team. I just think we're better. See, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I actually think we're going to lose this game. Um, and, and it's not that I, I doubt our ability. Uh, that, that's never been a question in my mind. I think what this game is going to come down to is the Cajuns are going... I think we're going to end up making mistakes throughout the game that turn out to be more crucial than, than they appear in the moment. Uh, and, and I think Malik Willis is a guy that you can't give too many opportunities to. And again, you know, I, I don't know what those mistakes are. I don't know, you know, if it's going to be some penalties that, that do, um, that, that put us in or, or, or whatnot, but, 28-21, I, I think Liberty gets the win. Um, hot, hot take is hot takeness from uh, again. From please, please prove me wrong. I will eat my crow. You know I will. I've done it before. I said we would lose to App State by two touchdowns. I ate my crow on that one. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think Liberty's on the same planet as. No, as I, I don't either. I don't either. I think I think they're way too finesse. I think when it comes to matchups, where we beat them, if it's true again that they have a weak offensive line, that that runs right into our wheelhouse. Um, you know, we beat teams at the line of scrimmage, and yeah, Malik Willis is great. He's athletic. He is uh, a, a man child on the field. But if you contain him, then yeah, I, I just think I. I <laughs> He can't. He's not going to be able to beat the Cajuns all by himself. He's going to need help from that three-headed monster at running backs. He's going to have to have his receiver step up, and I just think our defense has is up for that challenge. Um, the main, the reason why I think we would lose, and like you said, Matt, is true, is we would have to uh, make mistakes offensively. Yep. We'd have to turn the ball over. We'd have to lose field position. I, I just, it's it, we're a bend but don't break football team. Actually, I think our football team is built for teams like this. Um, so I just feel like, you know, as long as we limit our mistakes, like you said, we don't turn the ball over, which I don't think we will. Um, I, I think we'll be okay. I really do. Again, it all hinges on how we stop Malik Willis. We do Again, that, we win the game. Prove me wrong. I want to be proven wrong. I don't want to be right with my prediction. I want us to win. I'm just, I'm very nervous about this game. I have been very nervous about this game all season long. And, uh, the, the show that Malik Willis has put on this year just solidifies my concern. Uh, 3 o'clock Saturday, ESPNU, once again from Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia. Gentlemen, the college football playoff poll came out tonight. And Louisiana, once again, left off. I expected that. Um, the committee has shown for eight years now and especially the last couple of weeks since the the polls have first been released this year that they don't favor the G5 very well I mean look look at look at Cincinnati getting absolutely jobbed by the playoff committee um you know you you look at the you look at the poll that came out tonight Mississippi State Mississippi State has Zero business being ranked in the college football playoff poll. How in the hell is a four-loss team ranked 25th in the country? 
Look, I'm just going to leave it like this, and I really have not. I really don't have much to say about the college football playoff. You, you just said it, Matt. You put a, a six and four Mississippi State team at number twenty-five, lost to Memphis, had to come back down twenty against a three and seven Louisiana Tech team. Yeah, that that if that, you that play, pull, if you play a poll, lost all I've lost all respect for that poll. I don't care if you play a twelve-game schedule in the NFL. If you lose four out of twelve, you don't deserve to be ranked. I don't care who you play. You could play Jesus Christ reincarnated 12 times. You lose four times, you don't deserve to be ranked. It's, it just means more, Matt. It just means more. The SEC. Jesus look, Christ, give me a break. College football playoff needs to be called the corrupt the corrupt playoff uh, football playoff the CFP corrupt football playoff that's what they are and you know I'm, I'm not this sitting is, here I'm not sitting here saying that I think we deserve a spot I mean I think we do but well, that, that's, Cincinnati should be in the top four that, that that's play, not that's not my point up. that's not my point of making this argument my, my point of this argument is, is quite it's actually quite simple a four loss team shouldn't be ranked. How about a four-loss team that has multiple bad losses? Like, I don't know, Memphis? And, 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 and let's also state the fact that they have some pretty bad wins. Yeah, bad wins. They, but when you uplift a conference and put them on a pedestal above everybody else, you can look at a mediocre win like an Auburn or like a Kentucky. Or a say, Louisiana oh, Tech. They, they, they almost lost to Tech. They won by one. Right. They, they, they got destroyed by LSU. Like, I who's, just, a, who's a six-loss team? That's uh, mind blowing. Now look, mind blowing. They, they beat A and M. It's a good win. You can't. I mean, there's no. So they way have you can one good win out of ten. But if Cincinnati and, would have played Mississippi State's record, do you think they'd be in the top twenty-five? And even, in the and, even and even if you want to say Auburn's a good win, okay, so you have two wins out of six. Two good wins out of six. I I think it's a disgrace. Um, I fully expected us to be at least 25, 24. It, it, it See, is, I, I expected us to be left off. I, I knew it would happen. Yeah. I, I think winning uh, at Liberty is going to go a long way to cracking the top 25. The thing about it is, is we need to be in the college football playoff because promotionally speaking, it's so great for the let me Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Say things keep going the way they are, and somehow Louisiana and App are in the playoff poll when the conference championship game rolls around. What do you think the odds game days in Lafayette? It all depends on who's playing. Isn't isn't that championship Saturday? So you're going to have the Big Ten, you'll have the SEC, you'll have all the Well, yeah, boys. but the, the SEC, I mean, you you know it's going to be Alabama and Georgia, and most people know how that game is going to turn out. Well, I don't think we do. You and I had a disagreement. Like, wouldn't it wouldn't it be better to to put game day in a in a rowdy atmosphere like Lafayette rather than downtown Atlanta? I would I would like that, but they don't see it that way. It's the same way they make the poll. It's the same way they make the poll. They don't see it that way, you know. And and that's unfortunate. But you know, it's just we're we're puppets to their their. Uh, they're terrible poll. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a well, shame. Mercy, it's a shame. At their mercy, man. It, it is true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a joke. So no, I would love college game day to be in Lafayette. I think it'd be a great event for all of us, but 
you know, they're going to want to go where, where the big boys are, like the Georgias and the Alabamas. And you can expect them to be in downtown Atlanta because it's the same reason why they're not putting us in the top 25 CFP poll. It's a, it's a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. We'll transition to basketball now. Bob Marlin's team getting a crucial win this past Friday over Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, 66-45. to Greg Williams Jr. leading the way, 18 points on 6 of 13 shooting. Jordan Brown leading rebounder at 9. Greg Williams also getting 7 assists in the contest. Cajuns didn't shoot it that well, 33%, 33% from the field, but they were 35% from the three-point line, which is much improved from the game over West Florida. They will host Xavier New Orleans Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Cajun Dome ESPN Plus. The ESPN Lafayette family of radio stations will take care of you from an audio angle, or you can just go to the Cajun Dome, check out the team, um, talking about women's basketball, huge, huge win over Rice on Saturday. Uh, the game was supposed to be at the Cajun Dome, but due to a scheduling conflict, got moved to Houston. Uh, the girls took that in stride and was able to go to, to Houston and take care of business 73-69. Brandy Williams leading the way for the Cajuns, 24 points on 7 of 9 shooting. Ty Doucette leading rebounder with 5 they welcome Kim Mulkey and the LSU Fighting Tigers into the Cajun Dome Thursday night, 6 o'clock, ESPN Plus, ESPN Lafayette, all of that good stuff. Also, women's volleyball, good luck to them. Uh, they kick off the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Thursday. Uh, I'm, the, the bracket, um, I am trying to pull it up so I can tell you guys who they play. Here we go. App State. They will play Thursday. It looks like 6 o'clock from Foley, Alabama, 5 p.m., 6 Eastern, uh, from Foley, Alabama. So good luck to Christy Gray and her team, first-year head coach for Louisiana women's volleyball. Jerry Bear. Yes, sir. Do you know what time it is? What time is it, Matthew? Do you know what time it is? What time is it, Matthew? Then I tell you what. You know what time it is. That's the best intro, man. I love it. Little a little big cat doing his thing. All right, I gave another. I'm giving another good spiel this week. Uh, it's all from the heart. So here we go. Man, I tell you what. Never schedule a top twenty-five team for homecoming. This past Saturday, the Cajuns traveled to take on the Troy Trojans in what was expected to be a memory created for Troy fans and alumni who took part in the homecoming festivities. But they sure had a memory, all right, as they walked out with a 35-21 to score in favor of the visitor, who happened to be the Raging Cajuns. It was one of those games, no matter what the Trojans threw at the Cajuns, the Cajuns seemed to always respond. Once again, confirming that this team, as I mentioned last week, just finds a way. And they found a way to their ninth consecutive win, which is a new school record. They found a way to moving up in both the top 25 coaches poll and AP poll. And of course, they found a way to solidify and clinch an extra home game. But I will get to that later. But first, I would like to talk about our community. 
Now, as we all know, our beloved city of Lafayette is a place where we like to socialize. Whether it is a Thursday night in River Ranch for Rhythms on the River, a Friday night at La Fonda's, or a Saturday evening downtown for Art Walk, we love to find any opportunity to meet up with friends, have a good time, and be seen. It's safe to say that there is something going on, or always something going on, when it comes to meeting people in our community. And that's what makes us so special. We pride ourselves on being personable, getting to know people, sharing our South Louisiana heritage of being welcoming to others. It is this pride which makes the fabric of who we are unique. In this area, we will come up with any valid excuse to get out of the house and be social, but also be a part of something special when given the opportunity, which brings me back to a particular memory I would like to share with you. The date was Monday, November 21st, 2011. Just two days before, the Cajuns had lost a hard-fought game to the eventual Sunbelt Conference champion, Arkansas State Red Wolves, led by head coach none other than Hugh Freeze. But this Cajuns team still held an 8-3 record with one game left on the schedule, along with clinching a bowl berth. But the main question among the fan base was which bowl were the Cajuns going to? That same Monday evening, or that same Monday morning, the athletic department had sent out a notice to Cajun Nation to attend a special event later that afternoon at the Leon Moncler Indoor Practice Facility. I myself attended the event in anticipation of what was to transpire. When I walked in, the place was packed with an estimated crowd of around 3,000 fans. It was fuller than any signing day event that had ever been held there in previous years. When the event started, Bowl representative Paul Valto called Coach Mark Hudspeth up to the podium, presented him with a long red and white rope, and at the end of the rope was an official invitation to the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, which of course was accepted. The crowd erupted, and the sheer excitement of accomplishing the school's first bowl berth after 41 years was something that everyone took in. They wanted to be there to see the invite, just like they were for that 2011 season when the Cajun field averaged an attendance of over 29,000 per game, a record that still stands to this day. They wanted to be there with the other 40,000 screaming Cajun fans in the Superdome when Brett Baer kicked that 50-yard game winner as time expired. During that time, any place that was associated with Cajun's football was the place to be. Today, that trend is coming back. With the Cajuns win this past Saturday in a Georgia State upset at Coastal Carolina, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will host the Sunbelt Conference Championship at Cajun Field on December 4th, 2021 at 2.30 Central Standard Time. I say this in detail, Cajun Nation, because I want to make sure that you got the exact time and place. We are now officially less than three weeks away So there's plenty of time to mark that on your calendars. Like Rhythms on the River, La Fonda's, a downtown art walk, or a bowl invitation event, we need to make Cajun Field the happening spot, the center of South Louisiana. And what better place than Cajun Field to show who we are as a culture on national television? So make your plans now, buy your tickets, be there on December 4th. You know, It's funny. Just 15 years ago, we would have given anything to win seven games. We would have given anything to make a bowl game. 
we would have given anything to be ranked in the top 25. And we would have given anything to be the highest ranked team in the state of Louisiana. And yet, here we are. Heck, just talking about hosting a conference championship game in our home stadium now is a concept that is still new. Just like it was at that bowl invitation event back in 2011. We finally made a bowl game, is what we exclaimed back then. Today, we get to host the biggest game in the 51-year history of Cajun Field. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the memories of homecoming, the memories of playing in McNasby Stadium, the memories of hosting a school like Texas A&M. Well, Cajun Nation, we are in the process of creating a memory that would be talked about for many, many decades. And it hasn't even happened yet. But man, I tell you what. These next few weeks will be fun. Though we still have two games left to play before December 4th, let's sit back and enjoy what we have accomplished so far this season. Another winning record. Another bowl berth. Another top 25 ranking. And another title as highest ranked team in the state of Louisiana. Let's talk to friends and family members of the joy and excitement that we are experiencing in all of this success. And in the next few weeks, let's make Cajun Field the place to be seen. Enjoy the ride, Cajun Nation. Can I tell you what? Go Cajuns. The dude did it again. Good stuff, Jerry. The Thank dude you, gentlemen. did it again. Oh, there's a lot more where that came from, guys. I'm just getting I'm just getting warmed up. We got a few more weeks of my wise words of bridging the fan base gap, if you will. Well, it's a great it's a great point. You know, we joke that these are the good old days. And hopefully the 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 successful years and all the building and everything continues for many years. But but people need to understand that this these last few years and the next couple of years, hopefully. These are the stories that you tell your kids when they get to college and you say, well, I remember when this was going on and I remember these games and these, these big national games that you're seeing now, the, the foundation was built back in the 2010s and 2020s. So enjoy the, the next couple of weeks, especially enjoy them like they're never going to happen again because they may never. You never know what college football changes it feels like every few years and look at look at the massive changes this just this year with conference realignment and and just a you know across the entire collegiate landscape things change so enjoy it while it's here cuz these are some pretty fun times yeah i mean no doubt about it i'm i'm the youngest of the group but you know i can remember the the back end of the Ricky Bustle days i mean i remember i remember that 07 game losing to McNeese I remember yeah, how excited we were in 2011 getting to the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I it, it felt like 2011 was, you know, at the time it kind of seemed like that would be the the highlight of the program. Like that would be the ceiling. And we built on it since. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. 20, little did we know that 2011 has become the floor. No well, doubt. It became the foundation. That's true. Hey, real yeah. quick before we get out of here, have y'all heard anything about McCaskill? No. I, I have not. I'm not. I'll look into that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. 
Um, hopefully he's he's back because uh, we'll, we'll definitely need a guy like him against Malik Willis. Yes, definitely. That's going to do it for this edition of Region Review. Like we've said, Saturday, 3 p.m., ESPNU, Lynchburg, Virginia, the Cajuns and the Flames. Going to be a fun one. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap that game, preview ULM, and we'll we'll do some some Thanksgiving fun. the The guys will will let you in on what their favorite Thanksgiving dish is. You know, all all the fun, corny Thanksgiving stuff. We'll we'll do it all next week on Rage and Review. You guys know the drill. Be safe, be well, and as always. <laughs>